Hey gang, welcome to the Gill Athletics Connections Podcast, the show that brings you the men and women of track and field and explores their unique stories. The show is brought to you by Gill Athletics. Head on over to gillathletics.com to find all your track and field equipment needs. I'm your host, Mike Cunningham, National Sales Manager for Gill. In this episode, our guest is Michael Bergman, the president of the Portland Track Organization. Uh, this is really fantastic. I appreciate him spending time with us here on July 4th. Uh, some exciting things going on. We're going to unveil something in this podcast episode that no one knows about, so you need to go listen to it. Make sure you hear it all the way to the end, and then hype up uh, their YouTube channel. Some phenomenal content heading over there. So let's get to it. Without further ado, please help me welcome the wise, the wonderful Michael Bergman. All right. Thanks for joining us again here on the Gill Athletics Connections Track and Field podcast. I'm super excited. Uh, help me welcome the president of the Portland Track, Michael Bergman. Michael, how are you this morning? <laughs> I'm great. I'm great. Happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July. It's like the best day ever, I think, right? It's supposed to be like Christmas in July or whatnot. So I'm yeah. glad you're spending 4th of July with us. Yeah, we got to be a little toned down, but it's all good. So. That's right. Yeah, I don't think anybody in my neighborhood has gotten that message because every night this past week, it's been fireworks, fireworks, fireworks. Yeah. So how are, so things are good out things there? Are, things are really, really good. Yeah, I appreciate you asking. I'm super excited to have you here today because uh, you actually have several roles that you play and have played inside of our great sport of track and field. We're going to focus today on uh, uh, your being the president of Portland Track. I don't want to gloss over the fact that you are a now former Nike employee designer. Uh, you have your own consulting business, Incubator U. Yep. Uh, again, president of, of uh, Portland Track. You've done so much in this great sport. We're definitely going to have you come back one day and I'm going to grill you. I want to learn about the inner workings of early days Nike. That, that just fascinates me. I read the Phil Knight book. Um, just do. Is Shoe it just dog. do it? Shoe dog. Shoe dog. That's it. I knew it wasn't just do it. Shoe dog. I read that over uh, indoor NCAA's this past year, and just fascinating to see the growth from literally zero to billions in this case. But just so fascinating, and uh, we'll have you back one day to learn about your role and, and the different aspects there because it's just uh, it's fascinating. But today. We're going to talk to you as the president of Portland Track. So maybe give us a rundown. What What is Portland Track? What do you do as the president? Talk to us about that. Okay. So just a, um, a little history. Uh, I grew up in Portland and actually as a age group runner ran for the Portland Track Club. So I still have my old sweats, uniforms. So it's really pretty exciting to um, come full circle and become the president of this organization. Portland Track is a 501c3 nonprofit that we put on um, several meets a year um, in the Portland area. And the first one being the Portland Track Youth Meet, which has about a thousand kids in the, in the Portland metro area that comes, come and compete in the early part of June. Wow. And then we put on the Portland Track Festival, which is <clears throat> generally the weekend of uh, NCAAs. And we want to make, in a lot of times, it's up in Portland, Oregon. NCAAs are a lot of times in Eugene. And <clears throat> it's, a, it's a really unique meet where it's mostly middle distance. And 
and we put on it's middle school, high school, college, and pros all interacting in the same venue. Wow. And so you could have a 11 year old youth runner mile at competitor warming up with Evan Jagger in the middle of the NBA. Oh, I mean, man, that's got to be a treat. It's a great, it's, and we, we play music, we have fun races, but we've had, you know, it's become a really, really highly competitive meet at the um, high performance level. And, and then two weeks later, we, we have the Stumptown Twilight meet, which is essentially based on, it's a last chance qualifier for any of the major championships that are coming mm. up, USA's, Worlds, Olympic trials, or Olympics. Is, so, are those the meets, is that the ones that I've seen video from and pictures where like at the home stretch of the mile, the people like actually come down to the track and almost creates like a, a hallway effect? Is that? Yeah, we do that on occasion, yes. Man, That's that is fantastic. I mean, it's one thing to be at a great track meet. We've, you know, you and I have certainly been at a couple of really good ones and you're in the stands and, you know, I don't know that anywhere does it better than Hayward to be uh, truthful. Maybe Drake, they do a really good job of where, you know, if you're in the first few rows, you know the athletes are right there you feel like you're in it but to be on the track in the middle of a four minute mile or sub four minute mile that's that's pretty special yeah yeah so we've had you know Galen run there Mo Farah Evan Jager ran a 331 one year when he and his comeback into you know after an injury and so we've had some, we had the Mexican national records broken last year in the 1500 and the 800. Um, so it's a, it's a quiet, very low key meet, but what we've tried to really portray is that it's a meet about the athletes. It's, it's mm -hmm. athletes first is really our, our really, our mantra. Um, and then the fourth meet that we have <clears throat> is a middle school state cross country championships that we've, the, uh, Tom Rothenberger, um, a good friend of mine from Jesuit High School, he and I started that. It's a Sunday afternoon. We started about 10 years ago. We, we made it free of charge. Not one kid has to pay a dime to run. It's truly a middle school championship, so it encourages PE programs to pull their teams together. Not necessarily club kids can run in it, but they count as individuals. Mm -hmm. And that meet has grown to all nearly 1500 kids. Well, so we have about so four, four, four races, we 400 kids on the starting line in each race. What, what is it about Oregon, Portland, Eugene? What is it about it that the fiber is running? I mean, that is amazing to have that many kids running a cross country meet in Oregon. I mean, it's not the most, you know, Texas has way more population, California. I don't hear about that in those states. What is it about this area? Well, I think it's also creating the, the framework to for, for it to happen. So I think part, you know, a lot of these kids would never have run before, but what our approach was is make it Sunday afternoons. You're not competing with classic club soccer, or volleyball, football on Saturdays we make it a very achievable distance it's 3k so it's 1.8 miles and then we have a super champs and a champs race so it's it's not like it's a it's like a competitive and a less than comp less competitive or participatory and there's no qualifying you just show up 
we just sign the waiver and you know we we do it with chip timing and we have a great partner with Western Oregon University. They have a phenomenal course. It, we've actually outgrown all the courses that we were in. Yeah, right. So, so, and we, our race this year was, um, it was pretty cool because they had had the Pac-12 uh, Pac championships there mm -hmm. this year. And so the paint on the ground was still fresh from the pac 12s nice. when our kids were rolling through the, the finish line so is that portland tracks main um thrust is these four meets or are there other things that the the organization does yeah so we so about four years ago when i took over as the the president i really coming from nike i've i always feel that it's really important to um establish a, a you know your brand vision okay so so i pulled together uh, a, a colleague of mine that does really great brand work and so we we pulled the team together and you know we were just doing these meets and then kind of going to sleep for nine months of the year and then and as the i can never leave anything just sitting there so <laughs> it's it's a it's a blessing and a curse right, uh, right. so so we rebranded the organization and it really didn't take much, but what we all just, what we all agreed upon is like, Hey, we want to, we want to be Portland track wants to be about athletes first, mm -hmm. whether you're middle school, high school, college or pro. And it's because there, we already have meets in Oregon that are like the Prefontaine classic and NCAAs that are very, very big brand, you know, um, operations. And <clears throat> so the other piece is with, we also wanted to expose the, this amazing sport to so many other people. So what we ended up doing is, um, I had a, my first year we, between Portland track festival and the Stumptown twilight, I had a speaker series that is, it was, it happened to be just a week between the two meets and I had Mikey Brannigan and his coach Sonia um, in town. We hosted them for both meets and he was, he was trying to qualify for the world uh, or the Paralympic games or he's trying to hit certain times. Um, but I had a, I was able to interview them during the speaker series. Um, and then shortly thereafter, part of building a brand it really what it does it it starts to attract really talented people because then they want to be part of it and so i have a uncanny uncanny ability to when people come to me as a representative of portland track they say hey how do i get involved that's that's the wrong question to ask <laughs> Well, let me go through the list. <laughs> no, but I turn it around. It's like, what do you like to do? And and so, <clears throat> so this is after I had this speaker series. We had finished the Stumptown meet, and the guy who works at Nike's name's Jeff Merrill approached me. He goes, hey, how, how do I get involved? I said, ah, I'd love for you. You know, what do you like to do? He goes, well, I really like to write. I'm like, oh, that's cool. So, and then I started thinking, it's like, man, it would be great to have a year round speaker series. So, so that same week, um, 
Andrew Weeding retired from the sport and he moved up to Portland and I found out that um, he, you know, basically he was trying to figure out what he wanted to do next. So being a parent and a mentor and, you know, I, I set up a breakfast with him and I just said, Hey, Andy, what do you want to do when you grow up? After you're <laughs> kind of right, right. <laughs> he's, and I don't know if you've seen, but he he was actually he had a, like a pretty funny YouTube channel when he was at Oregon. I think I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's kind of a goofy guy. Yeah, I say I kind of remember the goofiness in, in a good way. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. So he goes, he's told me like, hey, I'd like to make videos. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Jeff likes to write, and Andrew likes to make videos. So I pulled the two of them together for lunch one day. I said, hey, you guys, you know, I'm not that interesting. I had the speaker series thing. <laughs> and, and I would much rather you guys figure out what that, you know, looks like. And so they came back to me and they said, hey, we want to do a show. I was like, all right, what do you need? <laughs> it's like, well, we need studio. We need camera equipment. Like, so I was able to work and get a, a really an amazing studio called at Downstream Media. It's friends friends of mine that through the track community um you know one of the the ceos a world-class former world-class pole vaulter oh, so, wow. <laughs> tim canfield and so so they loved what we were doing so we had a free studio it had one of those huge big wow. flat screen things where you could actually have the video screens in the back and that's what downstream yeah. does they build those for major oh stadiums. yeah okay right, right, right. yeah like uh, mission impossible stuff um anyway so we started tracklandia and started with one once a month and knowing that they had we had so many talented athletes that lived and trained in portland that um you know we it's like wow how great would it be to be able to interview them in 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 our own town but not do things that are not just asking about their PRs or their training. Mm -hmm. um, and so Jeff did an amazing job of researching, you know, the athletes and what their background, like Eleanor Fulton won a spelling bee contest when she's in fourth grade. <laughs> so we had a spelling bee contest on, <clears throat> um, you know, uh, Shelby Houlihan, you know, I mean, every, they had, um, we have different themes every Tracklandia episode. So that it started. So the goal was to create this year round um, event or this year round things that brought the track and field community together in a very, very relaxed. And so they got to know the athletes as people. Mm -hmm. So um, we made it free on um, YouTube and um, also uh, Eventbrite. So there's been, and I would just buy, you know, a few cases of beer and allow people to, you know, just have a nice evening out. And then we would go, there's a, a dive bar next to it called yours. And so literally we go next door and have our own room. And, and wow. what it reminded me of, which was really, really cool, was we, it reminded me of the early days of the pre-classic where oh. basically athletes would go and just hang out at a bar and yeah. and hang out and talk and so we had you know craig engels and andrew weeding and but we we're intermixing with the the 
the motorcycle guys in Portland who are playing pool. Like, so, so basically it's, they have no idea. <laughs> they have no idea these guys are Olympic athletes, right. but it didn't really, it didn't matter. You got Craig Angles, you know, shooting pool with a, you know, a gypsy joker. <laughs> so anyway, so it just was such a great, you know, uh, um, so we started with Tracklandia and uh, we still have it. So it's, we have a YouTube channel. It's called Tracklandia. And when you're saying Tracklandia, let's make sure people are, so when they go to YouTube and search this, so it's like, I guess I'm hearing like Portlandia, which I'm not from the area, but I know I've heard that it's a TV show or was a TV yeah. show. Yeah, it was with Fred Armiston and yeah. Yeah, is that just kind of how Portland's known, Portlandia? Is that what came up? Well, or? that was, that show made it pretty famous. Okay. So, so, the, so it was the year that Portlandia stopped filming in Portland. So mm -hmm. we said, hey, let's just, let's start Tracklandia. Tracklandia, okay, got it. So T-R-A-C-K-L-A-N-D-I-A. Okay, yep. so we put go to youtube.com and search in there and that'll pop up uh, the, the, the history of those videos. Yeah, so, so, cool. what that's, so what that's done is that's created a, just a different level of community and access. And so, so we've had the, these, you know, this filming every month and different, mm -hmm. we, I think we have now 99 episodes. Um, wow. And <clears throat> then um, through that, um, just another, you know, you asked about the four meets last mm -hmm. September. Um, we were asked in August to see by Jerry Schumacher's group, the Bowerman uh, Track Club, knowing the world championships were really late last mm -hmm. fall. He knew, knowing that he knew one, we could put on meets, two, we could do it in a way that was really, um, you know, responsive and agile. And, and I tried to position Portland track as almost like the special ops for mm. track and field where mm -hmm. we have, we, we can be able to create these pop-up meets, you know, with, uh, you know, 80% of the, the infrastructure is done. And then that 20% we fill in. And so he asked us to put on, see if we could put on a 5,000 meter race um, to allow some of his athletes to hit world qualifying standards. Now that sounds on surface easy, right? Put on, it's one race. Yeah. However, I have a suspicion it's not. It's easy for me on the outside to say that's easy. What went into doing something like that and what were the results? Well, in order to have it um, officially, you have to have a rail. Um, mm -hmm. So he, he called us, uh, he called Jeff and talked about it and part of my approach with Jeff and the team is to um, you know when ideas and things come up it's, it's not about no it's about hey how how are we going to get this done so early August the race was you know requested for these guys to come down out of altitude so the race timing would be about mid early September which would also coincide with great training opportunity um, peaking for the world championships for the ones that were going. And so we had to find a location that had a rail. Um, and by then football starting to show up and it's hard to find a location. And 
Um, and we happen to, just because of the relationships we have, we happen, this is actually a great part of the story, we happen to find, identify with Bainon, um, the uh, Hayward Field had been, as, as you're familiar, had been yeah. completely <laughs> um, leveled and rebuilt, but they saved the rail. And the yeah. rail was um, sitting somewhere in storage outside of Eugene, <laughs> just sitting there. And so a colleague of mine made a phone call. I got a hold of Robert Johnson, found out what, asked him what he was doing with the rail. And he, he said, it's just sitting there. He's like, okay, I'll have people there in two days. Oh, yeah. Loaded onto a flatbed trailer. And we hauled it up to Nike. What the Nike track is built. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's it's a an amazing 400 meter track that has a forest in the middle of it. Yeah, I've seen pictures. I was actually on campus when I think it was it was either 08 or 12 trials where we did the hammer throw oh, yeah. on Nike's campus, and I never was able because you know we were so focused on that event. I was never able to go and swing by and go see the track. But the pictures look it almost looks not real because of the amount of trees and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it is unreal. fantasy land. Yeah. 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 So that's yeah. the track you used for this race. Yeah. And the old, and, and so Jerry's request was, Hey, my guys are familiar with it. They train on it all the time, mm -hmm. but it's not an official track because there is no rail. Oh, okay. Okay. So we happened to find the rail. We hauled it up there and we got it installed. And, and that was actually before Nike even knew about it. Oh, they didn't even know this is happening. No. So, hey, David, you know, we're going to publish this. Do they know about it now? Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, okay, they, all right, all right. Well, and part of that is the 30 years that I had at Nike. Sure. I, I walked around there like I still work there. <laughs> so, and I know I knew enough people that, you know, they, know, they knew the intentions were good and, oh, good. and I, didn't want to, I didn't want to get you in retro trouble like hey maybe no, no. this last well, year <laughs> no and it's and it turned out to be you know, as you can see it's like one the positioning what it's all about the story it's like look mm -hmm. we found hayward fields rail and now it's residing on nike's campus how beautiful is that right right it's like how could you how could you get mad at something like that right so so now so we saved the rail awesome. um save the rail yeah that's right so and how so, did, how did the how did it come about to actually have the race and how do you do a race with a forest in the middle of it by the way i don't understand well that. so we so we had to work with IAAF or world athletics usatf so once you installed the rail we had to get the track remeasured mm. in 42 different locations we had to have it surveyed to mark the 5000 meter starting mm. line and then we needed to get you know, make sure that, you know, one of the challenges was because the forest is in the middle. Some, you, there's some rules that say you have to see across the track, mm -hmm. but you, but somehow we got, we were able to kind of get beyond that, you know, little stipulation. <laughs> so to make sure people weren't cheating or something. Right, right. But so anyway, there's not, the, there's not like a little bike on the other side. And so for the right, backstretch, right. they're just biking it and hopping off real quick. Right. Exactly. <laughs> So the long, so we literally got the rail installed, got it certified, got everything set up. So this is where Jeff was brilliant, and we and we ended up having a 
he he approached me and said, hey, I would love to figure out how we can document this and, and create a small documentary about this race. Mm-hmm. And so we hired a really talented um, filmmaker, RJ McNichols, who, you know, basically we paid for him to come up and as the athletes arrived from altitude, he actually captured like the interaction between Jerry and the athletes just before this race. You know, it's almost like being at a practice. Mm-hmm. It's on our YouTube channel. It's the, the documentary is called The Hunt. But the Hunt. Okay. yeah. And in the hunt, meaning, hey, these guys are going to hunt for some times mm-hmm. in, through the forest. <laughs> and so it was uh, <laughs> through the kind of a Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So, so the idea, so literally, uh, the race was was is was September, I think September 9th. It was on a Tuesday night at nine o'clock at night. Um, we got everything confirmed on a you know, on Thursday night. So I have, I called Nike events and security on Friday. Afternoon. Was that the first time they found out? Uh, most of them. <laughs> There's a few people, in Nike that it. but on Friday night and, and basically then it became, you know, then, you know, the, it's like, Hey, it's not going to be during work hours. You know, we just, we just want to, ask you where people can park if they show up, you know, kind of in just kind of a casual. And so basically we worked with them, let them know it was happening. And it was just the uh, one 5k race. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, hours of a track meet. It's, it was we're a, here for one singular event. And we started promoting that it was happening literally earlier that afternoon because mm. on Monday it was thunderstorms and rain and it could have been, postponed so on four mm-hmm. o'clock on tuesday afternoon the sun kind of broke the weather was the the skies were clear it was it, the, the the air was cool it was like perfect conditions and so then no one in regards to a general audience knew this was going on until the afternoon of so no one was there then it was just the like it was a solo trial 5k in the, the guys like you and the timer that, that's all that was there for this then no it was so what happened is word started getting out and and it, the the bowerman track club has a youth team so they were gonna stay to kind of see the athletes come and watch this okay. but everybody has families and the portland track communities you know pretty connected right. so at about six o'clock um you know uber was blowing up um people were arriving um at and, six the race is at nine yeah holy cow and, and, and so and so we had people from the oregon sports authority there helping guide people to the track so they weren't just wandering all around campus so we had some signs and um so at, at the end by the time the race started so we had a dj that played music we had um, some of that balloon lighting that was um, you'd see in construction sites that were, and there were some small lights. There were some lights around the track. We had athletic timing there. We had um, runner space who was filming it. And then RJ was filming, you know, everything. and then about three or four phenomenal photographers. So then we ended up, we, the race <clears throat> took off at nine. 
and the track was surrounded by about 2,500 people. No, but hold on. Maybe there's a misconnection with my microphone here. 2,500 people show up the afternoon of the night for, of for one race <laughs> on Nike's campus. Yeah. Dude. Hey, that shows you the power. If things are done well, we can get people to track events for crying out loud. Holy cow. 2,500. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I don't want to say only in Portland because I, I want this to be in Austin and Jacksonville and yeah. Austin. This is amazing. Holy yeah. cow. So who, who, were, who were in the race and how did the race go? Oh, it was amazing. You had, um, you had uh, Lopez Lamont. Oh, yeah. Matt Centrowitz. Oh. Woody Kincaid. Jeez. And um, what am I blanking? Um, Oh, well, here's what, we're not going to tell the results, actually. And I know this was no, almost a yeah, year we can, ago. We should talk about the results. Oh, okay. So Woody right. Kincaid was uh, uh, unheralded. Um, you know, well, he was a University of Portland local runner that had basically had a long, long training cycle. And, um, oh, and uh, Mo Ahmed. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, so Mo Ahmed was the the pace setter. So he paced them <laughs> through 4,600 meters and then he dropped. Oh, but, but what happened is they, they had to start hitting, they were going 62 second laps, 62, 63s. <laughs> and um, and the, after about two miles, uh, every, every single loop, the crowd was going nuts. And it just kept winding up. So the world qualifying time was 13, 13.5. And that was, that was the goal. Right. Under so 13, they, 13, right. So they were hoping to hit, you know, 13, 10, 13, 09. The race ended with um, Lopez Lamont uh, pushing the pace with a 400 to go after Mo dropped. And then Woody unleashing a crazy, like a maddening kick um, to win it. He ran 12.58. <laughs> Lopez ran 13 flat and Matt ran 13 flat. So the, it is the th three of the top, the three of the fast, three of the top five or top 10, 5,000 meter times in U.S. track and field history. They're history. Saying, yeah. They said it was one of the best 5,000 meter races on, ever on U.S. soil. And, and the unheralded local kid wins it. <laughs> yeah. So I would go, you know, and we have the documentary. It's 22 minutes. It's on our uh, YouTube channel, Tracklandia. It's free. You can so I go to YouTube. I probably search maybe Tracklandia and The Hunt, and it'll probably yeah. pop right up. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Dude, that is, and by the way, non-distance guy here, you know, I grew up sprints and hurdles and jumps and, uh, you know, I've had plenty of uh, throws coaches here on the podcast and my love for the hammer is, is, is very vocal. Uh, I love the steeplechase. I have a hard time getting into 10Ks and definitely the road races are, are out, but that actually sounds amazing because it sounds like an event. Like it's not just a race, it's an event. It's an experience. 
An experience, yes, that's the right way. Yeah. Yeah. And a, a good friend of mine um, who is the former, you know, track and field promo guy, Keith Peters at Nike, and he's he's done a bunch of different stuff, but he, um, you know, he describes it perfectly. He's been to, I think, three Olympic Games, front row seats, of course, Nike, you know. <laughs> I've never been to an Olympics or yeah, me neither. Yeah. But um, but he just and he walked in, he's like, Wow, this is interesting. So he's doing some, you know, things to try to, you know, bring some excitement to track and field and you know, on some some special projects he's working on. So he showed up, he comes walking into the you know, the area, the woods, out of the woods. <laughs> wow, there's quite a buzz here. And then the race happened. And then it was over and people left. Okay. And he just, when he walked out of there, he did his, his description. He goes, what the blank just happened. That was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, this is a guy who's been to three Olympic games. Yeah. So anyway, I I love it because you know, we hear about all these things that we have to have to bring fans in concessions, alcohol sales, uh, gambling. We talked about that. And here it is. It's like, we're in the woods. <laughs> you're only going to see one event, by the way. So if you think you're also going to see a shot put or we're here for one event, that's amazing. 2,500 people. That's amazing. Yeah. You, you've got to go well, right I mean, now. July, it's July 4th. Here's your July 4th cr- uh, Christmas present. Go to YouTube, Tracklandia, the hunt. You got to watch this. 22 minutes, man. It feels like that'll just put like your ha- hairs on your arm. will just stand up from from watching this. I love, I want, love watching it every time. And, and the, you can also see the excitement and the interaction that the athletes have with interacting with these fans. It's mm-hmm. like they're being mobbed and people are like, he's, they're high-fiving and they're doing selfies. And, and it's what the sport needs. I was going to say, good for them. That's what they deserve. And it is what the sport needs. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so, that, so that's just one. So yeah. we saw that as a success. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, we can, we can, but then, you know, so we have, so come, you know, this spring, we had the, you know, the coronavirus hit and all these, you know, safety thing, you know, different states were approaching it differently. And, and we held off um, canceling anything for Portland track until May 1st. Mm-hmm. We, I made as the, our board. And so we continued to film Tracklandia. Um, and actually we did, um, <laughs> Jeff started filming Tracklandia in his basement without the crowd, without the audience. Yeah. So. Hey, no um, excuses. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So we did that. And then the other thing he started this summer is uh, it's on our Tracklandia channel. It's um, Wow Mystery Track Theater. Hmm, what's that? It's, it's a, he's, he goes and he interviews athletes about what there's, there's two pieces of the theme. One is um, what was the single event that changed the trajectory of their career? Hmm. And it could have been a loss. It could have been a great race. It could have been getting beat by somebody and motivating them. So they, then he plays the clip. And then at the end of the 10 minute show, he, he has arranged to have them 
share their favorite dish. Oh. And they, they like, both cook like it. Food. Yeah, they both they cook it in advance and then they eat it at the that closes oh. the show. So wow. what, like, what what is the favorite dish of some of these athletes? I mean, I feel like it's all gonna be healthy stuff, like you know, wheatgrass and well I think Ryan Krauser's was like a German pancake or something like that. I'm shocked it wasn't something fish. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, okay. I, I thought you were gonna say fish for him. If you've ever seen his social media, man. Yeah. Uh, these guys, I'm not even doing it right. I gotta get, you know, if you're watching us on YouTube, I can't even get my hands far. These, yeah. this, him and his dad, who was an amazing guy, one of our, our yeah. good friends here, a dealer of ours, uh, just great people. And Ryan, amazing guy, beyond what he is as an athlete, Ryan is just a great person. Yeah. Uh, so I would, I would have thought it would have been some big old fish. That's funny. Huh. Yeah. So we're, I mean, so I'm talking to him too. He's an Oregon guy. Yeah. And, and I know the, the family and, um, you know, so, the, so that's one of the, one of the things that we've talked about doing is, you know, beyond the middle distance stuff, can we create a street shot? Can we have a shot put contest with Ryan and his buddies mm. on the waterfront in Portland? Yeah. Kind of like what you did with the hammer at mm. Nike. Mm -hmm. Which that was an amazing event. Again, <clears throat> experience being in the beer garden in the back and it was the backdrop of the, I think it was the it was, it was either the Tiger Woods building or the Tiger Woods field. I'm not sure yeah. which one. Yeah. It was just amazing. Well, let's, that's a good segue to today. It's, you know, we're in 2020. It's July. Uh, we're not able to get 2,500 people to an event right now, Michael. Right. <laughs> so what is going on right now uh, that we can talk about that you guys are doing? Yeah. So as I said earlier, the, we made the decision in early May to not hold the Portland Track Festival Youth Meet, Portland Track Festival, and then we literally we held off on the Stumptown Twilight because we wanted to just see, kind of push our timeline and see what we could do potentially safely. So, but with that said, we looked at the, we, we have great relationships with some of the other um, organizations in Portland, the Portland Thorns, for example, a lot of the our uh, women's uh, pro soccer team. Okay. They a lot of the athletes, which is funny. A lot of the athletes come to the Tracklandia shows. So, so we know um, you know some of the players, and we we have a great relationship with them. But they were starting to practice, so they made the introductions to us in May and June to their trainers and their medical staff. So we could understand the protocol that they were going as a professional organization mm -hmm. to keep their players safe because, you know, soccer is a, in theory a contact sport, but yeah. it's, but they've got to train. Mm -hmm. And so we, we started intersecting, you know, this, these ideas and seeing, okay, what can we do potentially safely? And we're still in, you know, phase one in, in, uh, in Oregon, which means no gatherings, um, more than 25 people. Mm. So a regular track meet, you have 25 officials. So, right. yeah, yeah, so, so, so you really, you have to be super creative with how you, um, you know, potentially even put something into play. And the other piece is we've got three amazing training groups that reside in Oregon. And, and each, we have relationships with each of the coaches and the, and the athletes. 
and the coaches, these athletes are still training. They're doing it safely. They're doing it in pairs or, you know, small groups. Um, and they still want their fitness levels are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to figure out a way to allow them to test that um, in a safe environment. And so, so we've put together some working with the Thorns, the Portland Thorns, uh, the state of Oregon, the Oregon Health Authority, um, the counties, and uh, Providence Medical, which is one of our bigger, um, it's like Carl in mm-hmm. Champagne. Um, and <clears throat> basically the requirements, you know, to have a safe event is one, you need to be tested for COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and USATF has a, a requirement of if an athlete runs in a race or a, um, an event, they have to have two COVID tests within a 48 hour period within wow. a, within a week of the competition. Like a before and after or, or both? Before, after? No, before two yeah, within 48 yeah, hours. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So just to make sure they don't have it. So mm-hmm. make sure it's not a, you know, false positive or right. whatever. You, um, so, I mean, that's been the, I would say the lion's share of the work is really, you know, putting on a, a you know, you have, timing and officials and a a track is Mm -hmm. what you or the three elements that you have to have but also the safety elements making sure people's temperature screened before Mm -hmm. they step in the stadium make sure there's um people wearing masks people are washing their hands Mm -hmm. no high fives (laughs) Yeah, that's hard, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so all of these elements, we've started all this planning. And so, you know, we're putting on an event that will will have no spectators, which, Mm. but what we wanted to do was create that same experience for people to see. And so um, I think tomorrow we'll have, um, you know, I think on Sunday, the um it'll be the the event will be released on our youtube channel so so tomorrow so this is yeah so we're we've had the event we're going to get to actually all of us fans we're now going to be able to go tomorrow and sunday and go see the the track meet yeah yeah and and this will be and it's short it's and earlier this week um the bowerman group just did uh part of it is they have a, such a large group that they actually did a, a 5,000 meter and a 1500 earlier this week yeah. and started, you know, uh, break, you know, breaking some of the top 10 all time. Cause they're amazingly fit. Yeah. So, they, they, <clears throat> so they took a lot of the information that we supplied to them and they executed the meet earlier this week um, at, a, at a location that you know, we'll be at. So, so if we go tomorrow, we wake up, we go to YouTube and search for that Tracklandia page, which let's just, let's be frank here. Let's bookmark that page, guys. So much content on this thing. We need to just bookmark it so we can come yeah. back. If we go there, the, the, the package, if you will, the video package of the meet will be there. Yeah. Uh, what can you tell without spoiling it? So we can see this tomorrow on our, on our own. Uh, what can you tell us about the meet uh, events or anything like that? 
I don't want yeah, to give so too this, much away. I want to I want to build a yeah, surprise. Yeah. When so I see the meat it. will be the meat will be um, what we're calling a friendly, <laughs> friendly competition. Borrow from our between, soccer friends. <laughs> yeah, between a couple of uh, you know really high quality groups. So um, some some athletes from the Oregon Track Club or Oregon Track Club Elite, and then the former Oregon Project, but we're affectionately calling it because it's COVID. Pete Julian is coaching this group of athletes like Donovan Brazier and uh, Craig Engels. And we're affectionately calling them Pete's dragons. (laughs) That's awesome. Half our audience right now has no clue the reference at all, but it's awesome. That's great. (laughs) So, yeah. And then our goals, we, you know, we're successful and, and safely doing these. Then our goal is to, you know, pop them up in a different location in, you know, a couple times this month. Mm. And that's, that's the goal. And, and then potentially expand it to some of the other training groups in the Northwest. Um, well, I appreciate what your group and, and I know you're representing that group, but it seems like there has to be oodles of people that are coming together, even from the, the experience you shared with us about the hunt. Like I love, you know, shout out to Robert Johnson for knowing where the rail was and being okay to use the rail. Uh, RJ and all these guys coming together to create this, especially it's one thing to do it, you know, in our past, our pre-COVID, you know, getting the space and getting the word out and getting people there. There's so many precautions that you have to take now. We, we, like I said, we can't get those 2,500 people. And, and here's the thing, you've shown that you can get <laughs> thousands of people, but unfortunately we can't have them. So the next best thing is, okay, can we have these competitions and then package them together so that the audience, we, the fans, we can see these things. I, I just kudos to you for continuing to grow our sport. Growth is good and we need things like this. Yeah, and I think, I think the, the strategy of us putting it out on YouTube is really um, making it accessible to everybody. Not just, not just um, people that are, you know, super fans of the sport. We want people that don't know, that can appreciate the, the amazing athletes that these, these, you know, and then, but also the stories behind it. And so, so I think one of our, you know, by putting on YouTube, we really want to, uh, you know, increase our subscribers. So if you're listening to this, subscribe to our YouTube channel, because what that does, it helps us. Um, we potentially could can monetize this in a way that can actually help us. And one of our um, longer term goals is <clears throat> one accessibility, but also if we've got an athlete is driving an incredible amount of, you know, traffic. We want to share that revenue with that athlete, mm-hmm. you know? So we, we basically were looking at this, how do we change the model where the athlete that we're filming that's performing benefits directly from, you know, being part of mm-hmm. Tracklandia. Or creating, helping be part of the content and driving yeah. the, the eyeballs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome. Well, as we wrap up, Michael, what else should we know? Uh, we've got our, we've got some homework. I'll, I'll put that together here at the end, but what else should we know? Or are we good? Uh, no, I think, uh, no, I really appreciate the, the time, um, you know, on the, on the show and want to, you know, we've, you know, we know that we've got 
other things <clears throat> lining up and planning. I'm working with a few people from around the country to mm -hmm. see how we can bring, <clears throat> you know, track to the streets, um, you know, and just in unique ways. And then lastly, you know, I'm, I'm also working on a, a project out in Maupin, Oregon. So, you know, just a, <clears throat> a little plug for that. There's an article in uh, the, the Oregonian this week about, you know, creating is literally, it's a field of dreams that's, uh, or a track of literally. dreams that's overlooking the amazing Deschutes River. The, mm -hmm. the vision is to create a space that will, um, we can host meets like the hunt. We can um, have concerts. We can have training facilities for national teams when they, and hopefully the world championships starts to mm -hmm. roll into Oregon. So, I mean, that's the really kind of laying the groundwork for that. So, um, if you can send that link out, but it's, it's pretty exciting. Craig Engels wants to break a four minute mile on the old cinder track. It's triangular. Uh, he's been out, he's been out there. Craig Engels has been out to mop and he's done, he likes to go out into the outdoors and camp and rock climb, but he actually ended up loving the track and he wants to break four minutes in the mile on the, the old That's crazy. Track. That's then amazing. He and then afterwards he, he goes out and rafts down the Deschutes river. <laughs> what a beautiful area out there. All right, folks, if you're listening today, July 4th, first of all, happy July 4th, happy independence day. You got homework today. I want you to go to YouTube and search tracklandia, the hunt, spend 22 minutes. You'll just get so inspired i mean i, I it's, it's it really is amazing it does the hairs on your neck and your, your arms it's, it's really amazing just go watch it and then tomorrow and you'll already do this because you're going to subscribe to tracklandia on youtube and you're going to bookmark it uh we'll have the unveiling of the video of the track me uh and you know what i, I have to think we're all starved for track uh so here's a good way to get fed uh with some track and field man it's going to be going to be awesome and really uh inspire and you michael you have homework i want to get you on record right now tell me we'll get you back here on the gill athletics connections podcast and talk about we're, we're talking about one really important but slice of your life my man uh there's so much more the, to share i'd love to have you back and share that part of your journey sure that'd be great and then uh, i do have on my incubatoru.com i do have some of those stories you were referring to about the early days at nike and i did a series on uh old track spikes that you know i think a lot of people seem to really enjoy so yeah that, i'm one of those by the way absolutely <laughs> All right, you heard it. Right, well, thanks for the time. I'm back. Absolutely, man. Thank you. Appreciate you getting up early today and, and uh, taking care of us, man. It was awesome. Thank you so much, Michael. All right. Bye. Well, that's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. If you like what you heard, give us a rating and review on iTunes and hit that subscribe button. As well, we encourage you to connect with others and share the podcast on your social media. Looking forward to next time when we connect you with another great track and field connection. Bye, guys.